You are listening to The Rant with David King. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the thing. Doggy do on his shoes. Billy's dad is a fudge packer. Millions, as you witness, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. Go ahead. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for 10 damn years. Ain't I been saying it, Miguel? I've been saying it. the rant i'm your host david king it is good to be here on this monday the seventh if you're hearing this podcast it's going to be tuesday but that's all right So much to get to. We got some things to talk about in terms of dieting. Joe Rogan's back in the news, and an interesting photo popped up of a certain potential nominee for to run for governor. Turn down the music. Getting into it today, boys and girls. It's good to be here with you all. Oh, hope you all had a very good weekend. I know I did. <clears throat> New episode of No Apologies, Apologetics with me, your host, David, dropped on Sunday, which was way, 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 way overdue. Most of you know uh, I was sick, so I was away from uh, being able to do the podcast because I lost my voice. Never any fun. That dropped over the weekend, so that was a good... uh, That was really nice, and then my wife went her... Her um, farmer's market that she goes to kicked back off, so she sells candles there. So she was pretty excited about that. She had a pretty good outing, so that was fun. And, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, just pretty much hung around and chilled. It was it was a good, good, good weekend. But, as always, the news never stops, and a lot changes, and a lot continues to happen, and things happen quickly, and... A lot of things can happen in just two days. And Joe Rogan is back in the news again. And we'll get back. We'll get to that here in a little bit. I don't think it looks good for him. Personally. I mean, he. it will be. I'll, I'll touch on it here in a minute. <clears throat> but I had something pop up in my Facebook feed today that I thought was just kind of funny. I mean, it's not funny, really. If, if you take this stuff seriously, it's not funny at all. But I thought it was interesting and timely because we have been talking about dieting on this program for the last month. We spoke about the NSNG diet 
and we talked about how vegetable oils and processed oils are killing you. If you haven't heard those episodes, you can go back onto the podcast, the rant, go into our, our archives there or wherever you get your podcast, they should be there. And I strongly recommend listening to those because it's, it's pretty informal. Um, something I'm pretty passionate about. I believe in very, I believe in it wholeheartedly. So, uh, if you get a chance to, 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 um, to listen to those, I would. So this video popped up. It was from the WSB, uh, Atlanta. And it said that the USDA is updating their rules for school lunches for kids in order to help them post pandemic to help the, the schools post pandemic. I guess there's, I imagine that there was some pandemic rules or regulations. I don't really know. I don't have kids. They're not in, there's no, I don't have kids in school and I don't have children. So I don't know what the deal was. I do know there was a lot of changes made during the pandemic, but this, these updated rules are, I guess, are to help the schools in the post pandemic era. It says here that schools will be allowed to offer low fat or 1% milk along with non-fat and other low fat options. And to top it off, at least, and again, I say this because I think when it says at least, that's important because it's, that is, it needs to be at least this much, but that doesn't mean this is all they're going to be given. And 80%, uh, at least 80% of the breakfasts and lunch must have whole, must be, excuse me, whole grain rich. And, you know, they're showing the videos of these kids' school lunches, and it's got like a sandwich. It's got, I mean, the, the photo I saw of their example was a sandwich with whole wheat bread on it. And that sandwich had like lettuce, tomato, cheese, and, and lunch meat. And then I had three types of fruit, like three types of fruit. You had banana, grapes, and an apple. First of all, no kid needs three types of fruit in his lunch. So what does this translate to is it translates to what, I, what is basically a high sugar and carbohydrate diet rich in nothing but, uh, and a carbo, uh, carbo, carbohydrate diet, uh, and nothing and, and nothing else at all. And it's going to be foods that just will basically cause inflammation and high spikes in insulin levels among other things. And you wonder why your kids can't sit still in class or why they have behavioral issues. This diet is essentially going to fatten your kids up, plain and simple. Um, we know that anything with low fat written on it is always going to have something added to it to make it more flavorful, and it's usually sugar. And don't think for two seconds that stevia or any of these other sweeteners from plants is any better than sugar. It's not. It's just as bad. In some cases, it can be worse. Some of these artificial sweeteners are extremely bad for you as they prohibit the burning of calories. That's like the sweeteners they put in uh, diet soda. Diet soda is just toxic stuff. I mean, worse than regular soda. If you're going to drink pop or soda, whatever you want to call it, if you're going to drink it, just drink the regular stuff. Don't drink the diet unless you like the flavor of it. But even then, I wouldn't do it. It's, it's just it's just not good for you. It's so bad. But, you know, we're getting this information from the USDA. And the USDA are the ones that created the food pyramid. We know the food pyramid is backwards. It's not right at all. The food pyramid and the choices that the USDA is telling us and how we are to eat, the foods that we should eat, are the very it has led to the pandemic of obesity, the epidemic of obesity in the United States. 
Heart disease kills more people than anything else in the United States. It's the number one killer of Americans. We are perpetually fat in this country. And a lot of that has to do with the dietary guidelines proposed by the USDA. And it's been doing that since the early to late 70s. Low fat 1% milk is not better for you than whole milk. It's actually probably in terms of milk being bad for you, if it is even bad for you, the only thing I would say that's bad about milk is it does have a lot of sugar in it. It's just the cows. It's what, what is in the milk from the cow. It has a lot of sugar. So what you're getting from that low fat 1% milk is they've taken all the fat out of it, all the cream and all that stuff, but they've left the sugar in there. And in some cases they may have even added some more just for flavor because fat is flavor. Anybody who cooks food for a living or anybody who likes to cook knows that fat is flavor. And so when you remove the fat from your food, you have to put something back in its place. Otherwise the food won't taste good. Nobody's going to want to eat it. And generally when you look at a low fat, no fat or artificial sweetener food, you'll see that there's going to be there's excuse me, low fat, no fat, uh, food, you're going to see that there's going to be some sort of sweetener or sugar put, put it in its place, plain and simple. And whole grain is, there's nothing good for you about whole grain. Nothing. In fact, the there's an argument in a study being conducted that the grain that we eat today isn't even our parents or our parents' parents' grain. It's been so heavily modified um, that it's 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 a, just a different Overall, it's a different type of grain than we're, than what our ancestors would have grown and, and ate. And these modified grains um, or hybrid, if you will, grain has more sugar in it, more glucose than, than the older ones. They're very um, – I actually learned about this not from somebody who is uh, a pro fan of NSNG, but someone who owns a bakery in town where they specialize in non-modified, non um, – these are basically heirloom grains. They still farm them as much as they possibly can. And that's the only kind of grain that they use at this bakery. So they, they say that, that this food is, is actually better for you. Uh, this, this bread is better for you than any, and then a bread that you would, that you would probably make at home or get it, get at the store because they're using a grain that's non-modified, um, non-hybrid, if you will. But we know why there's a reason why I have a, I have a, a, a hypothesis. Okay. It's a theory as to why these meals need to be 80% whole grain rich. And the reason for that is because grain is cheap. Okay. Bread is cheap. It's easy to feed the masses with bread because it's cheap and easy to grow. And the soy and grain and wheat, all that stuff grows plentiful in the United States. I've spoken about this before. So it is, it's, it's not a surprise to, to see that they want to put 80% of the diet, at least 80% of the diet, be whole grain. That is a much more affordable option to keep your kids fed. And after all, they have to figure something out because now the school is responsible for feeding more kids today than they were when I was coming up in school. Um, when I was coming up in school, it wasn't a pandemic or an epidemic of kids going home hungry or kids being hungry. Um, that was a huge deal and a huge talking point of shutting down schools during the pandemic, which was, you know, how are there's kids who literally re 
need to go to school so they can eat because they don't eat at home. That blows my mind. I don't, you know, I don't know how that can possibly be true in this country that we live in where everything is so plentiful, but it somehow kids are still going hungry in the United States. It blows my mind. That should never even be something that comes out of our mouths. Like child hunger should not exist in the United States, but for some reason it does, at least according to the media, it does. And that was a talking point for, for not shutting down the schools or, and, and so much so that they ended up doing a, a meal delivery service to some of these kids in some school districts, but it's a real problem apparently. And so my hypothesis is, well, it's expensive to feed kids. Kids eat a lot of food because they're growing. So what is cheap? Whole grain, straight up grain is cheap, man. So, you know, I, I, I gawk at this. I don't like this. If I had a kid in school, he wouldn't be eating anything. The school serves him. He would have to have a packed lunch. You know, it's, it's like three types of fruit in a sandwich with processed meat on it. It's like, okay, great. This kid is literally getting nothing but sugar grain. He's getting sugar, carbs, and processed foods. He is going to either crash as soon as he's done eating. He'll be useless in the second half of the day in school or something else will happen where he acts up, gets, you know, insulin spikes or whatever it may be. And it's, he, either way, he's going to be useless to the teacher and to anybody else and himself. And not to mention, you know, kids today where we have all these P, PDAs or a, <laughs> what is it? A, a public sir, PSAs, public service announcement of kids need to have at least an hour a day of exercise. Well, you know, when I was growing up, nobody had to tell me to go outside. I, you had to tell me to come inside. You know, you, you, I lived outside. I loved being outside. Me and my friends, we played every sport you could possibly think of in the backyard. We ran around all the time. We played, we, there was a woods behind my house. We would play in the woods. Um, you had to drag us in, but today, um, with lazy parenting and the rise of technology and kids being addicted to their cell phones and video games becoming more popular, which I played a lot of video games as a kid too, but you know, I bet I was a little more balanced, but video games today are not with, not the same video games that I played. Um, they, they weren't even, you know, when I was a senior or junior in high school, it was becoming to be close to what we have today. But even then it was, it was just not, it was, they were scratching the service, but these kids, that's what they do. They, they sit on their phones all day. They sit on their iPads and their, their video games. They don't go outside. And now you have to have these PSAs and say, Hey, get your kids out and go exercise for an hour because kids are getting fat. Well, guess what? Your 80% whole grain rich diet with low fat with low fat foods loaded in sugar is only going to fatten your kids up even more. If your kid doesn't want to go out and play sports because they're not an athlete, fine, fair enough, but then feed them the proper food. It should be a, a kids, what kids need. And I, I'm telling you, it's the same thing that you and I need. They just need more of it. High fat, high protein, lots of meat, lots of fat. Let, because the, at the end of the day, they're going to be able to, to convert that into the proper energy that they need. The protein's going to fuel their, their muscles, get them to drink whole milk, not 1% or low fat, 
they're gonna if they're gonna drink milk, have them drink the good milk that's got all the fat in it. That's gonna help them. That's gonna give them the energy that they need, the protein that they need. And you know, straight up, that that's just the way it needs. That's how. That's what those kids need. Sorry about that. Get a drink of water. And so I, it just bothers me a lot when I saw that post and you know, it's, you, you just can't. And of course I, I actually commented on, it. I said, well, I said the same thing I just said here. I said, well, that's just a, all that spells out to me is sugar, sugars and carbs. It's just all, it's all just junk for these kids. And some person says you're wrong. It's like, of course they just say I'm wrong and they don't give me a reason why I'm wrong, but I followed up with, no, I'm not. And here's the reason why. And of course I didn't hear anything back from them, but thankfully a lot of other people agreed and liked and, and liked it. But these are things that we have to think about. And if you're a parent, I understand that feeding a child is expensive. Feeding a child can be difficult because kids can be picky eaters. But the one thing you have to do as a parent is you have to enforce good habits in term now, because what you do now as a parent will live on for the rest of this child's life. The child won't realize why they crave sweets at the end of dinner or why they just, or why they, why they decided, Oh, you know what? I'm going to have a cookie every day. I just want to have a cookie or do this or that. And, and, and really it could just be some of the habits that you instilled into these children when they were very young. I was listening to a clinical psychologist on the radio today who deals with food um, addiction. And, you, you know, that sounds funny, right? Like food addiction, like people are addicted to food. That's ridiculous. People get addicted to drugs, not food. But believe it or not, people are definitely addicted to food because, and, and, and just about almost everybody is because ask somebody, you always know these people. You'll say, someone goes, man, I just need to lose weight or I just feel like crap. I, I need to go on a diet. And you can literally say, you should just cut out sugar and just cut out sugar out of your diet. Don't even mention the grain parts, but yeah, just cut out, cut out sugar and grain or, or just cut out sugar. They will always be like, Oh, you mean like no cookies or anything or no pasta? And it's like, yeah, no, no cookies, no pasta. They go, oh, I can't do that. Well, why not? Oh, dude, I just, I love cookies so much. So you're telling me that you're physically incapable of cutting out sweets out of your, out of your diet. Yeah, man. I just, I love it too much. That's an addiction. If you can't get to have the self-discipline when you're sitting there saying, I need to change myself because I don't feel good or I'm overweight and you can't take the, a minute, you can't say, okay, you know what? I'm going to cut out these foods out of my diet just temporarily so I can get myself back on track. I, I just can't do it. You have a problem. And so this clinical psychologist was saying, and she, she talks, this is who she deals with, that a lot of these bad, unfor these unfortunate addictive habits start in early childhood because their parents, maybe their parents had pancakes for breakfast on Saturdays. It was like a family thing where every Saturday they had pancakes or maybe ice cream after dinner was a thing. And so these little things that they do gets the body hooked and used to having that sugar or the, that, those certain types of foods, which make you eventually crave them. Your body becomes almost dependent on it because it's used to it. It's not that it needs it. It just gets used to it.
And so, you know, it, it's one of those things where if you have kids, you need to, to do the, it's hard. Don't, you know, and believe me, I'm speaking from, from experience. I am the guy that, that want, always wanted to have the, the dessert after dinner. I'm the one who always had to have ice cream or a piece of cake or something in the fridge for myself. I, I was that guy. Um, I'm still that guy that didn't go away. I have to actually work at this. And so, um, it's, it's one of those things that you, that I look back at and go, Oh, okay. I drank. There was times where I had a lot of soda or I had ice cream or I did this. We, you know, my parents were a little bit more lenient with me than my sisters when it came to like soda and stuff. So I, I can say, Oh, okay. There, maybe that's one of the reasons why I am so just drawn. Why I have such a big sweet tooth. Um, I think my it's somewhat genetic too, because my dad and my grandpa King both had pretty big sweet tooths as well. So, uh, it could be a little genetic, but nonetheless, um, this is, this is something that starts in childhood for sure. And, and, and as parents, we have, you have to work hard at it. It's tough, but you know, you'll get there. You know, you just, the kids are going to fight you on it. They're going to want their sugary cereals. They're going to want to eat the junk food. But at the end of the day, you're the parent, you're the one who makes the rules. And if I were you and you were looking at these, uh, rules that the USDA is pushing through, I'd say, no way I'm packing lunch. It's going to be harder. I'm going to have to get up earlier. I'm going to have to do it the night before, but we're packing lunches because more than likely, whatever they're feeding my kid, there's not going to be good for them. It's going to cause problems. If you don't believe that diet does not cause psycho, psycho psychological issues in humans, you're on a different planet. And I can tell you that a lot of the issues that kids have today in terms of being ADHD or hyperactive or unable to pay attention or having a learning disability or having anxiety, early anxiety, these things could all be traced back more than likely to their diet. Um, if you get kids on a really healthy diet, high in fat, high in protein, no carbs, low carbs, uh, you will see a, a tremendous change in their attitude. I, I, I almost promise it. Um, it's a fact. It's science. It's there. You can Google it. You can look it up. I'm not making these things up. So, um, there's a reason why we have so many kids that are just like, they just can't act right. And the doctors almost don't have an explanation for it, but they really, cause most doctors aren't, they don't have any background in, in nutrition. So if you're a parent, look into it, ask your school, what are they serving? What's the, what's on the meal? See if there's a menu. I know when I was coming up as a kid, we would have a, a, a monthly and weekly menu. I knew what day, what we were eating for lunch for that week, it was on the menu. So I knew what to anticipate as a kid and I would take that home and my parents could see it. There should be, um, there should be that kind of transparency with the school. They should not be hiding what they're feeding your children. It should not be a guessing game of, Oh, what is it going to be today? So I would look into that at the very least and use your better judgment. Uh, in other news, I found this to be very, very interesting. Get a swig of water. Hold on. An interesting photo uh, popped up. To, <clears throat> you think it was either today. Or, I think it might have been today or whenever, but I saw it on my feed today and I thought it was pretty interesting. But uh, it was released today in my home state of Georgia. Uh, it was a photo showing Stacey Abrams, the candidate for governor 
on the Democratic ticket. Uh, she was seen sitting in a classroom in the middle of a group of kids. Nothing unusual, but just another photo uh, for a person running for governor. You know, your typical op-ed stuff. Except the kids, they were all masked up, and, well, she wasn't. Hmm. That, what a slap in the face to the voters who are being told that even if you're vaccinated, you need to wear a mask. Because that's what we're being told, right? Oh, even though you're vaccinated, boosted, shot three or four times, dumped into COVID vaccine and taken a bath in it, you still need to wear a mask. And since the pandemic began, regardless of the hard science that the virus has little to no effect on children, we have been told that kids must wear masks in school. We've been fighting this and arguing with this and protesting, but yet they keep beating this down on us. The CDC has also finally came out and admitted that the virus affects people greatly with pre-existing conditions and comorbidities. This is something that we, you know, people like me who've been saying this since probably March of 2020, but the CDC is finally coming out about it. Stacey Abrams has one of those comorbidities. What is it? She's morbidly obese. Well, at least to the media standards, she's morbidly obese. I think she qualifies as just obese, in my opinion, but since Trump was considered morbidly obese in his first year of presidency and is considerably much skinnier than she is, well, I think you get the point. And I'm not trying to be a dick here, folks. I'm just pointing out that the massive amounts of double standards that we're getting on everything from this virus and to the media, not to mention that this is an ongoing issue for Democrats. <clears throat> Republicans don't wear masks because they tell you they don't want to wear a mask and it's my right to, or they do because they want to. But the Democrats have a very interesting kind of egg on the face, double standard the rules for thee, but not for me. After all, governor Gavin Newsom of California, a strong proponent, uh, proponent of lockdowns. And to this day has kept California under strict COVID regulations was caught eating at a high end restaurant with friends and family at the same table unmasked. In the height of the pandemic and lockdowns, you couldn't go to the restaurants and eat, but he did. And Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles was caught taking photographs with athletes without a mask on. And when asked about it, he said, oh, it was okay because I was holding my breath. Right. Even AOC went to the free state of Florida to vacation from her beautiful, from her beautiful communist state of New York. Oh, and by the way, she caught Omicron. You see where I'm going with this? What seemed like a harmless photo blew up in Stacey Abrams' fat face. Not sure how anyone in her organization didn't see this as a bad idea. I mean, after all, they're there to make sure she doesn't make these mistakes. But maybe they don't really care. Maybe Stacey Abrams doesn't care. I mean, Mao and Mao didn't really care. Neither did Lenin in the Bolshevik Revolution. Shut up and do what you're told. Don't worry about what I'm doing. That's what they project onto us. We see this attitude with all the Democrat policies, including even climate change. They tell us with bleeding hearts and tear in their, tears in their eyes that the world as we know it is going to end and that our children's future is in danger if we don't do anything about combating climate change. They go to these big meetings in Europe and convoys of gas-guzzling SUVs to tell us about these things that we must do, these rules that we must follow. The convoys come from the airport where their private planes are parked. 
They tell us that to combat climate change, we have to eat less meat and drive battery-operated cars. Meanwhile, none of them do either. And for the record, neither of these things will actually solve climate change. It's just going to make someone really rich while you get sick off processed meat and wait for your car to charge up so you can go to work. Such a simple photo. But it's like they say, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? But in the top of the news, the thing that I most wanted to get to, I want to talk about Stacey Abrams because she's a freaking joke. You know what's funny about Stacey Abrams before I get onto this thing about Joe Rogan? Stacey Abrams never admitted that she lost the governor's race to, um, well, now he's, now I'm draw, drawing a break, but she never admitted losing the race, the governor's race. She said that she was cheated. She said there was voter fraud and she wanted demanded a recount. And then they did a recount. And then they found out that she, that they were like, no, you've lost. And it's funny. She goes on to this day and still is repeating those words with praise from the mainstream media and other Democrats. But the moment that Donald Trump said, hey, there's some tomfoolery or other people in the Republican Party or others in the more conservative media said, hey, we believe that there's tomfoolery with this election. They got told to shut up, sit down, and that you're ruining our sacred institution of voting. Do you see the hypocrisy here? It's absolutely insane. And she still goes on. And I guarantee you, because this photo is a, just this photo is not going to help her at all in this election. This is just going to make things worse because it, this is not a, a right versus left issue. Parents are concerned about their kids. Uh, that's a hot button issue. Democrats are forcing these kids to wear masks. They're forcing them to get vaccinated. They want to, you know, the parents don't like this the, the idea of this. This just solidifies the concerns of parents. This is going to probably hurt her at least short term in the polls. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's going to help her on election day. I really don't. I think she's going to struggle um, because the fact of the matter is, you know, if she had been, if she had been the governor of Georgia during the pandemic, she would have shot, she would have shut us down. Um, Uh, she would have, she would have done a lockdown much like the other democratic states, but governor camp, our governor, um, he, he locked us down very briefly for a few weeks and then started to slowly reopen us. Uh, we did not stay locked down in the state for very long. And I think because of that, that's one of the reasons why Georgia was not nearly, was not hurt nearly as bad some of these other states economically. But if she had been governor, there's no doubt in my mind, we would, we've been locked down probably as long as New York or California. And there's no telling what kind of damage that would have done to our economy and to the people of this great state. And I think that's going to come back and blow up in her face because there's, there's audio of her, you know, chastising governor camp for what he did. Um, there's just more going against her overall than I think, going forward. We'll, we'll touch more on it as the governor race picks up and we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll go in about it. But that photo definitely did not help her at all. Um, she's an idiot. <clears throat> but anyway, I digress. 
Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's back in the news again today. Um, if you're not familiar, Joe Rogan was in the news a few weeks ago for he was under fire uh, from prominent government officials, including the Surgeon General, uh, where people were saying that he needed to be removed, censored, um, basically canceled for hosting doctors, including one that invented mRNA vaccinations, not specifically the COVID one, but that style of vaccination. He had him on the podcast, and these are people who are skeptical or concerned about the the vaccine mandates, the vaccines as a whole, um, and how the government is operating in, in, in around these vaccinations and with COVID. Uh, they're essentially kind of the other side of all this from the CDC and the World Health Organization. And because he had those people on his podcast, he came under fire. And there's people who are saying, like, we can't let him spread misinformation. This is dangerous. He's going to get people killed. He needs to be basically shut down. Of course, it's all ridiculous. And he defended that off pretty well. I will say he did make a video, which wasn't really an apology, but it was just him saying like, you know, I get it. Maybe I could have more people from another from from another side or a different opinion and try to balance it maybe a little bit more. Um, but he goes, I don't, you know, most of these opinions aren't mine. I just let these people come on and say what they want to say. And he's right. And so it wasn't a bad video that he made and, and I thought it was fine and, and, and nothing, no harm, no foul there because it wasn't really an apology. It was just him kind of explaining his position. But he came into the news again today because a video released of him saying the N-word several times, but of course all out of context. There was no context between of him saying the N-word in previous podcasts that he had done. And so, of course, that led to him coming on and apologizing for it. And I have very strong feelings about this. You should never apologize for not, you should never apologize when you've done nothing wrong. I understand if, like, maybe you genuinely feel guilty. Like, I understand if he feels guilty, genuinely, for saying that word, even though it was quoting someone or something, so it it wasn't used in a harsh tone or a negative way. So I get it. Like if he's like, man, I kind of, I think I look back at those clips. I was like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cringe. Yeah. I mean, do we all do things that are cringeworthy? We look back on it and go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, he could have said on his, on, on a future episode or a new episode. Yeah. I don't like that word. I was using it with a, within proper context, but maybe next time I just leave it out because it's just a horrible word. And that's fine. But when you go out of your way to post a video of you apologizing as if you've used the word malevolently, malevolently, if I said that word, I'll jumbled up when you actually didn't and you said you didn't, but that it, that doesn't matter. This group is after Joe Rogan and they're hell bent on having him removed from Spotify. And if they have it their way from the media in whole, from television, from everything, they want this guy canceled. They don't care that you apologize for saying the N word. You have to understand they started with, they started with you inviting these people on and them saying things that goes against the grain of the CDC and, and Dr. Fauci and everyone else. They started with that and it wasn't getting the traction they wanted. So they, they, they furthered up and loaded back up and shot this one at you. And now here you are apologizing and apologizing is dumping fuel into the tanks of these cancel vans. These idiots ride around in together, plain and simple. When you apologize, it's just like, <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, I bet you're sorry. 
Joe needs to Joe needs to understand pretty quickly that they're they are relentless and they will not stop. We have seen this with so many other people. This isn't anything new. He's not the first victim of this. They will certainly come after him for something else very soon. Now, I believe Joe Rogan is probably not worried about his position at Spotify. I really generally, from from what I've seen on his social media, he doesn't seem at all worried about it. And he really shouldn't be. Um, he knows if he gets fired, he'll have options. Like if he gets let go from Spotify, uh, he'll have options for sure. I mean, he didn't need Spotify before, and he won't need them moving forward either. I mean, he was popular before he went to Spotify. But the ball is in Spotify's court, no doubt. Because they don't want to cancel him because he's a cash cow for them. But my thing is, will they eventually cave? Because they are feeling the pressure. They're feeling the heat. Now, you know, certain artists, some old old washed up artists that aren't really as relevant as they used to be are pulling their albums, their catalog from Spotify. But okay, so what? But it's only a matter of time before other artists and people who are as equally beneficial to Spotify start yanking themselves off of it or separating themselves from the platform. And my question is, is how much will Spotify take before they break? Um, you know, will they cave? I think they will. You know, it's funny when the videos released of Joe Rogan with the, with the coronavirus stuff and all these doctors coming on his podcast, you saw videos like, for instance, from the rock, Dwayne Johnson, you know, he was like, you know, man, I, I love Joe Rogan. I know who, who Joe Rogan is. He's a good guy. He just, he just is presenting different points of view. And when we see each other again, we're going to drink some tequila and get messed up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's a great guy. But when this, <laughs> when the N word video thing came out, Dwayne rock Johnson started singing a different tune and, and basically closed himself off from Joe Rogan. Just basically was like, Nope, don't know this guy who don't, don't want to even have anything to do with them. And so, um, the people are going there. There's only so many things people in, in these prominent positions will stand behind you with, because at the end of the day, they're all looking out for their own career and they don't want to be sent out in the cornfield with you. Now it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Dwayne rock Johnson would make a video like that a week before and then kind of be like, Nope, don't know. Him. Don't want anything to do with them. Who, what? Nope. <clears throat> So with that being said, I, I think Joe Rogan's time with Spotify will be will be coming to an end soon. I really do. Um, he will be effectively canceled as much as the liberal left can cancel him. Um, he'll be accepted in almost every conservative network and libertarian free speech platform. He'll be accepted everywhere where people believe in free speech and where people don't want to censor other people. Unfortunately, right now, that is a very small minority. Um, certainly Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all the big social media networks don't fall under that category. Does that mean if he gets canceled from Spotify that he can't go back to posting on YouTube? So he'll be accepted there, but he will definitely not be accepted in places where the liberals could dominate for sure. They will have canceled him. They will want nothing to do with him. They will cut ties with him. I mean, after all, they saw what happened to Sanjay Gupta when he went on his podcast. Joe Rogan's a fair man. I mean, he grilled Sanjay Gupta. He held him to the fire. 
Nobody, none of those people want to deal with that. So, um, and really it's all he needs. He, he doesn't need a major platform. He doesn't need to be accepted into any of the major social media websites. He'll more than likely go back to posting this content um, on other podcast channels. I'm sure he'll try to go back to YouTube if he can. I'm sure YouTube will take him. I don't think YouTube will, will, will cancel him. I think YouTube will censor him and demonetize his videos. But YouTube, at the end of the day, lets a lot of other people that say things that they shouldn't say on YouTube. But again, he's on borrowed time there no matter what. I, I, no matter what, I always think any conservative or any free speech activist or anyone who's going to just speak their minds always on borrowed time on YouTube. Um, and apparently Rumble has already offered him a $100 million deal for four years if he is uh, let go from Spotify. And that's pretty cool. Uh, if you don't know what Rumble is, it is basically the competitor to YouTube. It's a fairly new program. It's much, or a, uh, it's a fairly new social media platform. Um, it is essentially YouTube light. It's trying to be YouTube in terms of its size and what it can do and its power, but it's not quite there yet. It, it takes time. I mean, YouTube was around for a very, very, very long time. Um, people forget that YouTube has been around since like 2005 maybe even earlier than that. It's 2022. So, and YouTube really has just skyrocketed over the last, I think five or six years in terms of what kind of content they can provide from live videos to TV, you name it. So rumbles rumbles there though. They're catching up. Uh, it's nothing to laugh at. Um, I think rumble has a real fighting chance to be a, a great video streaming service. Um, they do not censor any of their, um, any of the people that post on there. It is a free speech network. If you're, it's it's a great place for conservatives to go to, and post their videos because they don't have to worry about being canceled. Um, so I kind of would love to see Joe Rogan take that deal because I think that would be really good for Rumble, and we just need more. We need more people in this space. We need more. Um, it's like we need more restaurants in this town. We can't all just be eating from McDonald's and Burger King. We need uh, we need another place to eat at. And I think that's the case with social media. The more options that we have that are viable and legitimate, such as Rumble, um, or I've been hearing some good things about Getter, these are uh, these are things that could potentially rival the 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 giants, if you will, the Goliaths, which is Twitter and YouTube and um, uh, Facebook and everything else. We need more of that. Even even if people kind of laugh and gog, it's like, but we, we just need we need options. We need competitive. We need some people to be competitive. The reason why YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter can rule with such an iron fist and cancel anybody they want to cancel with is because they know there's nowhere else you can go. McDonald's, they're they're McDonald's right now in a town with nothing else to eat. I mean, they don't care if they get your order wrong because they know you can't go across the street anywhere else. But in the case today, if they screw up your order, you're going to big, you're going to Burger King, you're going to Wendy's, right? Horrible analogy because all that food sucks. But I'm just using them as an example. YouTube knows you don't have another YouTube to go to. Now Rumble's pretty close, but it's still not YouTube. 
And I think if Joe Rogan can go to that to that platform, he can do a lot of good for it because I think he did a lot of good for Spotify. At least in the at least in terms of the podcast, the podcast side. <clears throat> I think Spotify was more known for its music, but I think he certainly helped with podcasts. And here's the thing, Joe Rogan has nothing to apologize for. And, you know, like at all, I do not agree with a lot of the stuff that he says. I mean, this is a guy that openly mocked my faith on one of his shows. He he was pretty brutal and mocked Christianity. And, you know, it upset me. Like I was upset and not in the way that you might think. Like I wasn't like, oh, screw that guy. and wanted to like throw tomatoes at him and punch him in the face and cancel him. It was more like I just felt bad for him because he doesn't know the truth. He doesn't know he's missing out on so much um, because he kind of has this lackadaisical attitude about Christianity. And it's, 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 it really, it makes me sad when people mock Christianity because generally when you see someone mocking Christianity, you can, it shows you just how little they know about it. And so, but, and that upset me, but you know what the thing is, is like, I, I support Joe Rogan. It's free. He has a, he is free to say that. He is free to criticize me and my faith. He is allowed to do that. And I have the right to turn him off and not listen. I have the right to disagree back with him and then go, I don't agree with you. I don't appreciate that opinion. I don't like it. So I'm not going to listen to you right now, but I'll tell you, I'm going to come back to the next episode if I want to, you know, I don't have to listen to him. I don't think he should be canceled for anything. He he says a lot of things I don't agree with, but I don't ever think he should be canceled for it. I don't think anybody should be canceled for for what they say or what they believe in or or who they have on their podcast because we all have the freedom and the right to just ignore them. But um he's a great podcaster. And the reason is because he allows people to come on to his show and just talk and say what they have to say. And he challenges everybody. You know, he's 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 not going to let you get a free pass on anything. There's no free passes with Joe Rogan, and that's a good thing. And that's one of the reasons why he is so popular and he does so well is because it's it's clear, it's a it's a healthy debate with healthy information. It's not one sided. It's not biased like so much is right now on television and everywhere else. You know what you're going to. You know that when you listen to Joe Rogan. Whatever is being talked about on that podcast, it's going to be, it's going to get into a very deep conversation about it. It's going to be challenged and there's not going to be anything left on the table and there's not going to be some bias, you know, propaganda like um, pitch to the people who are listening. It's authentic. That's the thing right there. That's the word. I like that word, authentic. And that's one of the reasons why he's so successful. It's one of the reasons why so many people who are truly authentic do so well in the podcast, YouTube, and in social media space, right? Especially now, because there's there's so much fake, like Instagram, especially. Like there's so much fake out there. These people pretending to live these lives of luxury, and they they take selfies in front of you know cars that aren't even theirs, or they're at a beach at a you know on a hotel beach, and they're doing all their Instagram posts. Look at me at the beach. This is my life. It's like it's not really your life. You know, most of that's it's all it's just a fraud. It's a it's a faux. It's fake, and it's and it and what's sad is it's t- it's teaching these kids something that's not real. But Joe Rogan's not like that, and a lot of these other popular podcasts aren't like that. They're very authentic. 
Um, I mean, after all, like Joe Rogan supported Bernie Sanders, which is terrible, horrible lapse of judgment on his part without a shadow of a doubt. Listen, um, you could tell me that you voted for Joe Biden because you hated Trump, and I can accept that to some degree. But like he supported Bernie Sanders because he genuinely believed Bernie Sanders was a good guy. But he did say one thing that I did agree with in, in this regard. He said, I like Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders has had the same. He's been the same in terms of his politics from the time he got into politics. In other words, he didn't get to D.C. and then get corrupted by D.C. He's been the same guy from the beginning. And the funny thing about that is it's like, yeah, that's, that's a, that is actually a quality to Bernie Sanders. It's one of the reasons why, again, he is so popular among the youth is because while he is a very, while his ideas are dangerous, he is authentic and passionate in his ideas. He truly believes in them and he comes across as a very genuine person, which is why he's, why these young kids flock to him. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is Trump is the same way in his, in his, beliefs. You don't have to like Trump, but the fact of the matter is he is authentic in what he believes in. And he has been the same guy and has said the same thing since the time he has been popular in, in, in the spotlight. You can pull videos of the eighties. He's saying the same crap then as he is now. It's just that he's got a Republican asterisk. He's got the R next to his name. If he had ran as a Democrat, the Democrats would have loved Donald Trump. Probably been a little confused if he kept the same policies. <clears throat> but what this shows us is that no matter your views or who you align yourself with, it's really only a matter of time before they come for you. You step out of line. It's to the cornfield. It's canceled. You're canceled. You're done. They're going to put your head in the guillotine because Joe Rogan supported Bernie Sanders. It showed that he was pretty much a middle of the road kind of guy. He could go either way. He was open-minded. He wasn't a diehard conservative and he wasn't a diehard liberal. But it didn't matter, certainly not to the liberals. Joe Rogan stepped out of line. It's one thing to question diet and medicine, but you questioned the COVID vaccines and the pandemic. You pushed back and invited the wrong people on your show, and now you have to pay. You must be destroyed at all costs, and that is exactly what we're seeing. It's not like his N-word remarks were anything new. I mean, most of them are over a decade old. These, these videos have been around for forever. This is a blatant and malicious attack on his character in order to have him canceled. The first line of attack didn't work. Now they, they posted this. And he should have seen this and told everyone, fr frankly, he should, he should have just told everyone to kiss his ass. That's what I would have done. But he didn't. He apologized when he did not have to because he didn't do anything wrong. And let me tell you something. They love it. They smile when you do that because they know they got you. They won. And well, the next step is ending your career. They know that now that you've come on and apologized for that video, all it's going to take is them to keep posting more videos, finding more dirt because none of us are perfect. We've all said and done things that we shouldn't have. So it's only really a matter of time before they find another video to post. And this is why I believe that Joe Rogan is essentially done on Spotify. They are simply just loading their guns up for the next folly of attack. How he responds will be imperative. But I don't think that matters anymore 
the heat may be too much for the, the big wigs at Spotify. They have, they may have to pull the plug and kind of frankly, I hope they do. So Joe can go somewhere else with his own network, make create his own network, create his own social media platform, whatever he wants to do, or go join an existing one. Like for instance, rumble and show that he can, he can't be canceled because people support him because people know that what he's doing is genuine and not a malevolence. That would be the biggest blow to this cancel culture movement. If Joe Rogan was let go from Spotify and then he was able to, to let, to move to another network or his own network and not lose the following that he has, that would be the biggest blow to cancel culture. It's a sacrifice almost that is worth it for Joe Rogan and for everyone else for freedom of speech for moving forward for people like me who want to have a, who want to are aspiring to have a podcast. that's a fraction of as good as his, you know, th- these are things that I think about. Like this guy is too big to fail because he's so popular. Everybody f- listens to this podcast. He has one of the largest growing podcasts in the world, you know, second to someone like Adam Carolla, who has the largest po- uh, podcast in the world. And yet they're, you know, he seemed for the longest time untouchable. And now there he seems to be at the cusp of being canceled. But if he can kind of rise up through the fire, like a Phoenix, not to be all metaphorical and philosophical, but if he can do that, that would be huge. And maybe that would helpfully put an end to this nonsense. We used to say that him ignoring these, these cancel culture fools, because this isn't anything new. People have always been kind of outraged with what he said. There were people who wanted to quit or were dem- there's people at spot who work at Spotify demanding that Joe Rogan be fired because of his, some of his previous podcasts and stuff. So he's always been under the fire. We've always felt like he's going to be the one that p- finally puts the end to this because he's going to tell everybody to go F off and, and just keep doing his thing. But now that he's apologized, I'm not so sure. But the, the, the only hope we can have is that either a Spotify stands up with him and this all kind of comes to an end, or if they do cancel him, he can go to another network and still have the same success and basically give the world the finger. That's what he needs to do. Stop apologizing. Stop it. You didn't do anything wrong. You're the leader in this movement. Guys like you and Adam Carolla, the ones that just say what they want to say and they have no regret. They don't apologize for it because they're speaking their truth. Stand up for yourself. Don't let these people push you around. I think at the end of it, he will, he'll overcome it, but I don't think he does it staying at Spotify. Not anymore. And on that note, folks, that's all I got to say about that one. I like Joe. I like his podcasts. Every time I've listened to him, when I get a chance to, they're enjoyable. He has some pretty good, he has some pretty interesting people on there and some, and some, uh, some of that stuff is very factual. Some of it's just kind of out there and crazy, but nonetheless, uh, if you haven't listened to one of his shows, I recommend you do before they get all yanked down. And what I said, he should do, you should do. Don't apologize for who you are. They're not apologizing for who they are. So why should you, you have to accept them for whatever they tell you that they are, whether it's non-binary man, woman, plant, animal, cyborg, whatever the hell they're coming up with today, you are told that you have to accept it or else. 
well, why don't they ever accept your ideas or your opinions or else? Why can't they just leave you alone? No, instead you have to tiptoe around the office. You don't want anybody to know that you support Trump because you don't want to get fired. You don't want anybody to know that you're a Christian because then you'll get chastised and, and mocked and laughed at. You could be told that you're, that you're a, um, that you're just somebody who hates other people because of your faith, that you're evil. You just judgmental. You get called all these bad names. And if you try to stand up for yourself, then it's off to the cornfield. Not anymore. That has to end. We're all looking at Joe Rogan to make a stand. And certainly if he does, it will help. And I believe he is the one in the terms of being in the prominent spotlight who needs to step up right now and tell everybody enough is enough. Cut the crap. But in terms of the daily lives of everybody in America, we all have to stand up for ourselves. We have to stop apologizing. Don't say, don't, don't, you know, don't get beaten down by these people. We all have the right and freedom of speech. Now, don't get me wrong. There's always consequences to your actions and what you say. If you say something appalling or rude, well, then you have to accept what comes your way. And you also have to accept that if you say something and somebody else doesn't agree with you, well, then that's their opinion as well. And you guys can agree to disagree, but nobody should be canceled, fired, or thrown to the curb unless it's something truly evil. But even then, that's up to interpretation. Stand up for yourself. Say what you have to say. Don't let these people beat you up. If we, keep, if we don't do that, then this is just going to continue to get worse and worse. And before you know it, the freedom of speech and everything else that we believe in is just going to come to an end. Things aren't going to get better. They're only going to get worse if we don't do something about it. It doesn't require fighting. doesn't require screaming or holding up signs. It just requires standing up for yourself. Don't be afraid to tell people what you think. How often are you in a conversation where somebody politically or politics gets brought up or religion and you sit there to yourself going, I don't want to say nothing because I don't want to ruffle feathers or I don't want to get in trouble. I want everybody to know that I'm a Republican or something else. Shouldn't be that way. Not at all. If a conversation at a table gets brought up and people are asking you for your opinion, tell them the truth and stand up for it and accept what it's going to be. Because at the end of the day, even if they're mad at you, they'll probably respect you more for at least standing up for what you believe in. Because the people that are coming after Joe Rogan they don't respect him and they're not going to respect him anymore because he apologized. They're just going to come at him even harder and they're not going to stop and they're going to laugh their way all the way through it. These people don't care about anything other than their way or the highway. And we have to tell them to shut up. Simple as that. And on that note, folks, it's good talking to you. I look forward to coming back and seeing you on Thursday. Have a good evening. Good night. God bless you.